3: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select Campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The best
4: conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
1: Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor.
4: And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu.
1: Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.
5: It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips.
2: Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a Hammond Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it.
5: Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just 5 dollars Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.
0: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
5: What's up, everybody? Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire Friday, October 9th. This NFL season just buzzing through. Already in Week 5, and I'm kind of pissed off at the result last night. Uh, Listen, Buccaneers were definitely the better side. They're the bigger story. They lost. Tom Brady screwed up. We'll get to that shortly. I want to tease this. Obviously, ahead of Game 5 of the NBA Finals tonight, we have a great interview with Eddie House. My main man, Eddie House, played in the NBA. And you guys know how I like to tell stories about working with guys at FS1. Like, right from the jump, Eddie House, like, I was like, whoa. This guy talks tough, Uh, he's got the neck tattoo, but he was like the friendliest guy ever. We got to be friends, and uh, Eddie House is just, like like me, he coaches his sons in youth sports. But he tells me the stories of how he gets ejected from the gyms. I mean, he's just a hilarious guy. So I wanted to talk to him about NBA Finals, NBA Playoffs, the bubble. I think he'll really enjoy that as a preview for Game 5. And then at the end of the podcast, I went long with the best bet, three NFL bets for the weekend, And uh, good thing I didn't add Tampa to that list because, uh, oh, boy, the Buccaneers. I mean, listen, they were the right side in that game. Listen, they could play that game again tonight. I could have just seen that result, and I would still take Tampa. They led 13-0. The Bears come down, finally score a touchdown, and then a freak turnover uh, by the Buccaneers. Bears score again, and then it was a game from there on out. But the referees, like if I knew I was betting on a ref show, I I probably would not have bet on the Bucs. I liked them all week. I liked them today, even though the line came crashing down. And yes, the injuries caught up with them, but two things really screwed them up here. Number one was the referees. I mean, listen, I'm not referee guy, but 11 flags for 109 yards. Folks, the Bears barely had 200 yards of offense with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Okay? The referees really were flagging Tampa for everything in the second half. And at one point, Tom Brady lost it on his offensive line, specifically the kid Jensen. I think he had back-to-back penalties. Brady was F-bombing him all the way to the bench, very heated. I thought initially it was the referees, and it might have been a referee catching collateral damage, but he was hot. Brady was super pissed. He got sacked three times, but the Bears' pass rush got to Brady in the second half, and I didn't understand why Bruce Arians kept airing it out. Tom Brady's 43 years old. He threw 41 passes. Ronald Jones carried 17 times for 106 yards, peeling off over over six yards a carry, right? 5.3 yards a carry. Are you serious? What what are you dropping Brady back for so often? Bruce Arians. And this is the thing we talked about a few weeks ago. I think it was after the Saints lost The push and pull between Brady and what he wants to do. And um, Bruce Arians and what he wants to do. Bruce Arians wants to just send three receivers deep all the time. Tom Brady sits back in the pocket. He's going to take some hits, but he's going to hit the long pass. And the Bears clearly took that away. And I predicted this would be a tight end game. And I nailed it. Listen, I could see this being a big game for Gronk. Obviously, Gronk's biggest game of the year. Targeted six times, three catches, 52 yards. Um, and Brady went to the tight ends heavily. Cameron Brate, five catches. Somebody named Hudson had a catch. But all told, 16 of 41 targets were for tight ends. That's a big number. And again, listen, we know Chris Godwin was out hurt. And then you look at Scotty Miller. Zero catches. Somebody named Mickens. We talked about him. Two catches, 22 yards. The kid Tyler Johnson, four catches. But overall, Brady was just very unhappy in the second half with the offensive line, the referees. And then, of course, came the big moment. I know you guys are waiting for this. Every single person who hosts a podcast, a radio show, a TV show, or has a Twitter account or a Facebook page is going to be bashing Tom Brady. He didn't know what down it was. And it's it's just a weird vibe in 2020. The stadium's empty. And I personally forgot the out to Evans on first down that missed. And I th- I initially, when Brady put his four fingers up, I was like, oh. It's fourth down. The screen must have got it wrong, and then I looked at the play-by-play, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot that Evans play." That is, I kind of speak, speaks to the confidence I have in Brady. He was holding up four fingers. I thought the I thought the TV guys at Fox, Joe Buck and Aikman, I thought they were wrong, and Brady was right. And I was like holding out hope, but ultimately Nick Foles beats Tom Brady again. And Nick Foles was not great. I mean, first first half, people were like, "All right, is it time to go back to Trubisky?" Foles can't throw hit the broadside of a barn. He was not very good. The Bears offense stinks. Again, second week in a row, they couldn't run the football. Average 4.1 yards a play. It's basically Nick Foles dropping back. And let's see. Let's toss it up to Allen Robinson. Let's see if he can get open. If he can't, maybe we could squeeze it into Corderell Patterson. Dump offs to the running backs. This Bears offense is unsustainable. It's total trash. But they're 4-1. It's not going to last. It's not sustainable. Take it to the bank. The Bears will miss the playoffs. It's October 9th, Friday. Go ahead, cite it, throw it back in my face. The Bears will miss the playoffs. But overall, my big takeaway here, I'm not going to go overboard and make any sweeping Tom Brady conclusions. They're 3 and 2. They lost kind of a cheap one here to the Bears. The season opener, they outplayed the Saints. Similar theme, right? They outplayed the Bears tonight. And if you look at the box score, they were better than the Saints. The Saints could barely move the football. The problem again, Tom Brady. So, uh, again, he gets a grace period, guys. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Can we give the guy five games? Can we have him with his complement of players? Like, he didn't have his number two running back, Fournette. He didn't have his number three running back in Shady McCoy. I mean, if you see Ronald Jones... Busting loose for 106 yards. You win that game on the ground. You don't have Brady drop back. Come on. And now I do wonder if there's some potential problems down the line between Arians and what he wants and Brady and what he wants. And, I mean, I hate to say it, and it's early in the season, but I'm sorry. I'm going to side with Tom Brady over Bruce Arians. I know he's a good football mind. He's done a lot of winning. But he ain't won like Tom Brady. And I I would lean on Brady more. Um, we'll see, though. It's early, folks. It, I, don't make any sweeping conclusions. Brady's toast. Brady's uh, he lost a step. Hey, he, he was not great tonight, but he wasn't the reason they lost. Now, where it gets interesting is the next game is against the Green Bay Packers. And it's going to be Brady against an undefeated Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And now, hopefully, Brady will get back Godwin and Fournette and Shady McCoy, because the Packers can't stop the run def- run at all. Their run defense is a joke, um, and and that will be a very good game. You don't want to drop if you're Brady to 3-3. Three and You three. still have the Saints on the schedule again. you got the Rams. you got the Chiefs. Um, but this is still a 10, 9-10-11 win team and a playoff team. I, I'm not going to freak out over Tom Brady not knowing what down it is and losing to the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football.
3: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply, learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amax. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
4: I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley.
6: Rappaport's reality—the reality, the reality a little of us—we're figuring
0: little bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been. Ooh, a, it would have been. The podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: You know a
2: guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
5: All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire, one of the best guys I know who's a former NBA player. He's a good guy, and he's been ejected from youth basketball games. I could not stop laughing when he told me that. Eddie House is in the building.
1: What's up, Eddie? What it do? What's happening, man?
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the finals. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm curious. Your thoughts, like, weird NBA season. It's October. We're talking about the NBA finals. The ratings are bad. The games are pretty good. I don't know. Just your overall thoughts of the NBA finals and the bubble so far.
1: Well, I, I think they did a fantastic job in the bubble. Um, I think the NBA, the way they not only um, have taken care of the players, making sure that everybody um, – or following the proper protocol because to be honest with you, I was one of the guys that was skeptical. Didn't think that it would work. Didn't think the guys would be able to lock in. Not, not saying that it was a, a knock on anybody's character, but just human nature is, um, you know, to, to, to sometimes be a little bit promiscuous at times, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and so I, that, that was one of the things that, you know, being a young, very, very young NBA was one of the things that I was worried about, but, you know, guys proved me wrong and everybody else wrong. I thought Adam Silver did a fantastic job. I think the Players Association, the players uh, themselves did a great job of policing themselves, number one, and making sure that they were there for a specific reason. And that was to put on, uh, to, to put on a display of basketball that people will, will be extremely happy to be watching. And I think that's what happened. I mean, from, from game number one, I think there was maybe a handful of games in the bubble that you could say were weak. Basketball games. Yeah. For the most part, they were very competitive.
5: Yeah, I'm curious. Like you played a lot of basketball growing up. Obviously, Arizona State in the NBA. Have you talked to anybody in the bubble to get a sense of just how different life and basketball was in the bubble versus anything that they've ever experienced?
1: No, actually, I haven't. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that that's the difference. I think those guys that are that went to the bubble, the guys that had the opportunity to. Uh, make playoffs. And that's the only team that went there. I think they were all locked in. And I think that's why we see such a high quality level of play is because everybody was locked in with an opportunity to get into the playoffs with an opportunity to play for a championship. Um, I I think that's the main reason why it really worked. Now, if you had some teams that really were there that didn't have a shot, you might have seen some different results, possibly, maybe not. But I think um, the, the fact that that guys were locked in and and, and that they weren't looking at anything outside of the fact of, hey, this is where we're at and this is what we have to do. Now, I think the question should be, how are the guys feeling in the finals now? Like, Mm -hmm. after the finals is over with, not now, because you're locked in. You know, once you get so far, you're locked in. I'm I'm talking about the guys. Talk to guys afterwards, and I think they'll give you a real genuine Mm – and a real answer after that. But right now, I think guys are locked in, and there's no excuses. All
5: right, we'll get to the finals in a sec, but I've got to ask you about the meltdown by the Clippers. Up 3-1 on Denver. Ed, listen, I know you coach your kids. You watch a lot of basketball. You know Doc Rivers. I, I mean, how shocked were you by the meltdown, and then to see him get fired afterward?
1: Well, I was shocked to see him get fired. I thought that we all know there was a championship you know year a bust for them championship a bust for them but the thing was they hadn't played together much games and then on top of not playing a lot of games together you had the big break of four months and then have to try to put it all back together when it seemed like everybody was getting healthy for them um so i thought that possibly they'll run that back but just the way that they played it's almost like they weren't responding to doc um, yeah and, and once you see that, that the locker room is not responding to the coach and you've lost the locker room um, as a coach, it is time to move on from both parties. Um, I think that what happened with them, they just went away from their game. They're, name one three-point shooter on their team like a knockdown three-point shooter. I I guess Lou Will, Landry Shamit, Paul George. Are, are those guys that shoot high percentage threes or, or do they shoot volume threes? I'm talking about guys that are locked mm-hmm. down shooters. To where you look at them, you're like, that's a dead eye. You know, like a Kyle Corbin, we know he's a three-point shooter. Right. Who on their team is one of those type of guys?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you're right. I, Paul George is a good three-point shooter. He, I think he was like, for his career, like 39%. Um, he didn't show up in game seven because that's what he does. Um so you think it was just a shooter? That's all they need now? Or?
1: No, no. I think what it was is you have a team, they're taking 34 threes and you don't have one guy on the team that's a knockdown mm-hmm. shooter. You know, yes. you look at a guy like Ray Allen, yeah, he maybe take eight or ten, you know, three points. So that only leaves 20 for the rest of the guys, you know. But when you're taking 34 threes and there's not one guy, to me, I think that was where it was a lack of um, – leadership i think amongst the players uh realizing and understanding what they do best Kawhi is not known as a three-point shooter is he capable yeah paul george not known as a three-point shooter is he capable yes i think the the majority of the time that they're eating is mid-range one-on-one getting into getting to the basket or in that mid-range area you know yeah, everybody can, can knock down that not everybody but mm. guys can knock down wide open threes but when they're contested threes that still is the lowest percentage shot in basketball
5: if you were the Clippers, would you try to trade Paul George?
1: For what? It all depends what? on what. What, so, what pieces are uh, you getting back? Okay, you know? so
5: allegedly the Brooklyn Nets. Remember how Kyrie Irving was like, "Yeah, you know, we need we need one more guy," and he didn't really seem that keen on Lavert and Dinwiddie. Uh, what you know? if the Nets were like, "Hey, uh, let let's do something like Lavert, Dinwiddie, and whatever filler, give us Paul George." Maybe those
1: are the three-point shooters you need. Maybe so. I, I mean, I, I think you would have to entertain that if you were the Clippers. I wouldn't – I'm not sure if I would entertain that if I was the Nets so much. Uh, Ooh. Just, just, <laughs> just on the fact that I've seen – we've seen what Paul George have done and the meltdown that he's had. And But maybe um, he's
5: not a number number one or number two. Maybe he's best to be a three.
1: Well, he was still, I think, I even thinking the playoffs at, at times, he was still a number three. I think Lou Will at times showed a little bit mm. more assertiveness on the offensive end of the floor. And 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 a guy, a guys like Dimwitty and Levert, young talent, you know, we don't know where they're going to reach. Uh, we've seen this story with Paul George already, you know. it's it's He is what he is, you know. We don't know what these guys can be because they haven't been in the league for so long and haven't been mm. tested. So, I I would think that if I was the Nets, I would take a hard look at that, and I don't think that I would just be willing just to throw them two um, away for 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 Paul George because just Paul George. Yeah, you you,
5: do you think that I mean clearly they can't just run it back. They've got a new coach. There's going to be some changes. Um, I don't know. Do do you think this is uh, has as currently constricted? Is this a championship
1: team next year? I mean, well, if they they were a championship team this year, right? And well I think, I mean, they mean they lost to Denver. Yeah, but but Denver, I don't think Denver, I don't think people give Denver enough credit for what they are and what they do and how they believe in their coach. I mean, I think number one is belief. You have to have belief. You have to have trust number one in your head coach and belief nice. in your head coach, and then that trickles down throughout the whole team. And you could see that. Um if you if you if you can go back to when game seven um, they had the pregame speeches on. One coach, uh, uh, Mike Malone is his name, correct? Yeah. yeah. And Mike Malone was saying, we're supposed to be here. You know what I mean? Let's go out and get this. And then you had Doc begging his players, share the ball, play with each other. Almost like that when I heard that, it was concerning to me because at game seven, that shouldn't have to be a speech to say. Go out and have fun, play yeah. the game, share the ball. That's a that's a normal thing that you, we all know that that's what you're supposed to do anyway. But play for one another. Those things were key key phrases and, and and key statements that I was picking up on to say, man, he's almost begging his team to come out here and play with some energy and effort in a game seven to where you look at Mike Malone and all he's saying is, we're supposed to be here. Let's go out here and do that. Two different messages as a player, that you're receiving from your coach and and two different energies as a team that you're giving your coach.
5: All right. One more before we get to the finals is Giannis. If Giannis calls up Eddie house tomorrow, says, Ed, man, you're a veteran. You played in the league. Like, you know, a lot, you've been around, you've won a championship. Ed, should I sign the super max or what's it? What's the, what's the move? What should I do? What do you advise
1: Giannis to do? I advise him to, to get get his money. Number one, because oh it, it, no, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why, Jay, because they'll get rid of you as just as fast as, as they as they they praise you. And if you have an opportunity to to get your money, you have to do it. But also, if you've already signed big deals, it's a difference. If you've already signed numerous big deals, right? You're on your second or third max contract. Okay, now you can start looking for. But I think you have to. Also, have a real conversation with the organization and say, if I'm going to commit myself to this, what are you guys going to do mm. to surround me with the proper players, with the the, the, the coaching, and and who says that Budoser is the coach for them? You yeah. know. <laughs> uh, so, with the proper coaching, with uh, the proper players around me, I think those all go in that goes all into that decision-making. But number one, I think he needs to take a look in the mirror and say he has to get better. You know, he definitely has to get better with a mid-range game. If you – you're not a superstar if they can game plan you out of the game. Hmm. And, I, and we've seen Toronto do it last year, and we've seen Miami said, that's how you do it. And it's different from an 82-game season to a seven-game series because 82 games – tonight I'm playing Denver, tomorrow I'm playing Utah. But they were playing games, too, so they don't have the time to really dive in and focus on your strengths and your weaknesses and try to take those things away. In a seven-game series, guys are locked in defensively. You get notebooks. I have them in my grade, You get notebooks this thick of everything that you could think of. You, if you're on those type of teams yeah. that really pay attention to detail, Miami being one and the championship team and Toronto being another, they laid out the blueprint. So he has to expect that that's going to be what he's going to be seeing from here on out.
5: Okay, so people are gonna listen and be like, "Eddie House just said Giannis is not a superstar. He's won two MVPs. Is he a superstar?"
1: No, but this it, it's it's a difference. I think mm. that if th- there could be superstars, right? Okay. There's superstars that are out there that are fantastically great, you know. And he's he's definitely a superstar. But to get to that other level, you know, it's almost like Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony's a superstar, right? But we always doubted the fact: can yeah, he get to that other level? You know, and one thing we could say is Carmelo was never game planned out of a game. You know, uh, Giannis has been proven that he has been game plan out of game. You just sit on forcing left. He's going to spin back, coming back to his right. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows if you pack the paint, give him the three. He doesn't really trust his three. Um, he's not, if you back up off of him while he's at the three to give it to him, he's not going to take up the space and pull up because he doesn't have that. He's going to try to force himself all the way through. So what do you do? You shade him to his left. So he spins back right to his health. And so when you game plan, when you can game plan a superstar out of the game, does that really make him a top-tier superstar? I think he was an MVP because he was on the team that had the best record. He was the defensive player of the year, and he was the most valuable player on his team. So yeah, that gives him the MVP. All
5: right, let's get to the finals. Obviously, Lakers up 3-1. I don't think anybody gives the Heat much of a chance. Goran Dragic injured. Bam looks like he played well. Uh, in Game Four, and despite the loss, I don't know where are you with
1: the whole asterisk, Ed? Uh, do you think this deserves an asterisk, No home court advantage, no fans. It's it's definitely not the same, but you can't. I, I think everybody's dealing with the same situation, so it's an even playing field. With that being said, right. um, but it's just totally different. It's 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 not the same because nobody puts an asterisk next to um, the lockout year championships. Yep. Even though they play shorter uh, shorter games. Uh, it, and they also, on top of that, they went back-to-back-to-backs, and that was never done before, uh, you know, as far as I'm talking about games being played. You know, yeah. usually you would have back-to-back or four games in five nights. They were have back-to-back-to-back sometimes during that lockout year to make wow, up some of those games. Right. So that, those are that's a little different. So you, you could always find something to say. I think it was an even playing field. Is it the same as going 82 games straight? I think guys were able to heal up during the four-month hiatus. Guys were able to get their bodies right, right in the middle of right before you're going to start that hard playoff push or right before you're going to start into the playoffs where we all know from October to March, April, there's a lot of wear and tear on your body, a lot of travel. So you had that time to heal, and you came into it, and I think it was such an even playing field. That's why, to me, at the beginning of – the bubble, I was like, man, I think it's like five teams that legitimately have a chance because there is no home court advantage, and everybody was had opportunity to, to heal up and, and be as, as sharp as they can be.
5: Um, I know there's still one game left, or maybe more. But who who do you give the edge on the MVP award to, Ed? Uh, Anthony Davis's defense on Jimmy Butler was phenomenal in Game Four, but at the same time, you know LeBron's averaging nearly a triple double. He's setting up all the easy Anthony Davis looks. I don't know. Apparently there are an odd number of voters, so they cannot split the MVP. Um, who would you vote for and who do you think will win?
1: You have to go with LeBron, he's been consistent right now. Right. He has been consistent. And Anthony Davidson, the game that Miami won, he was a disappearing act, fifteen points. Um, you know, you had two guys coming off the bench, Kyle Kuzman, Marquise Morris, who scored more than him. That should never happen. That that your MVP of a final should not have that happen. And LeBron's been consistent now. AD did come back and and has hit a couple of big time threes late in games um, to seal the deal, came up with a big time block against Jimmy Butler. Now, if he comes out this next game and has a monster game and LeBron doesn't have a big game, then we could have it could be a different conversation. But I don't expect LeBron to take a step back. I expect yeah. him to take a step forward and try to end this. What you don't want to do is give this team any kind of life. You want to just – why you you want to get rid of them while you can. They're going to be wearing the mama jersey, so there's extra yes. motivation yes. for the Lakers to close things out. So I, I think LeBron has the nod. But quietly, man, I'm going to tell you who the real MVP – of course LeBron, but the real MVP is, is uh, Rajon Rondo. You got yeah. to look at this team when he came back. The – the way this team has played since he's came back from injury, they are a totally a total different team, not only on the defensive end, but also on the offensive end. He's allowed LeBron to play the wing, to play his natural small forward position, to get out in transition, not to always have the ball and have it on a dribble coming off the pick and roll to make plays. A lot of times, he's a recipient of the pass with a live dribble so he can attack the basket and then make plays if he doesn't have what he wants. So I think really... Rondo, low-key, but high-key, in in, in my mind, a huge part of the reason why the Lakers are where they're at right now. I mean, if he's not playing, I'm not sure if the Lakers get past Denver. Wow, Denver.
5: Oh, my gosh. All right, and I'll let you go on this one. So you were in the East with LeBron. You played with him. You played against him. LeBron James was told, man, he's crushing the East. It stinks. There's nobody good in the East. That's why he's in the finals eight straight years. In his first full season in the West, full season, he gets a number one seed and he goes to the finals and he's probably going to win the championship. I mean, Ed, at what point do we have to just stop this nonsense LeBron bashing? Like, wh- when does it end? Or maybe well, will it never
1: end? People always build you up to tear you down. They're going to poke holes, <laughs> man. And, I, and honestly, in the East, it don't matter where you at. If you are able to do what he's done, it doesn't matter where you're at, what side of the uh, the, the world or the map or the, the country you own or what conference you're in. It doesn't matter. You were playing against teams that were trying to knock you off and you were able to take care of your business. Now, the one thing that we can say, Warriors weren't healthy. And that will be the next thing that people are going to say. Well, hey, yeah, he got the number one. seed. look, the Warriors weren't healthy. No Steph, no play, you know, and and regardless, it doesn't matter to me. It does not matter. It, that's not his fault that they're not healthy. You know, that's even more of a testament to the player he is because in in year 17, you know, uh, I I don't want to jinx anything, but he has been pretty much injury-free, you know, and he has been taking care of his body. He understands what he needs to do. And he wins this championship this year. That's three in three different uh, – with three different teams. Do I say he's a GOAT? I still take Jordan Uh. over – no, I still take Jordan over him. But okay. does he have a legitimate conversation? And can you listen to him? Yeah, you could definitely listen to him. I think at that point, Jordan's sitting at the table, and Jordan is looking at him, pulling a chair, and said, hey, man, you can get ready to come sit down. Next <laughs> <to me."
5: laughs> well, again, it's the big knock is that series against the Mavs, which I think I've asked you in person, on air. It's a mystery. What the hell happened back then? You know, they were favored in the series. He vanished. I, and it's it's like the Bermuda Triangle. We can't explain it, and I don't know what happened to LeBron. If you want to get take one last guess, is what the hell happened in that series?
1: I don't know. I always say that it, it, it took that one to put him on on a mission where he's at now. It took him to lose so that, that way. So he needed that. Almost like one of them. you don't need to have lose to learn a lesson. You don't need. You can win and learn a lesson still. You know that's the preferable way. But. At the end of the day, I think that that kind of propelled him to the monster that he is. He changed his body. If you think about what he looked like that year and the next year he came back, he was a little leaner, a little more athletic, as if we can say he's a little bit more athletic. <laughs> but I think he put a, He had a little bit more speed, a little bit more bounce to his step. But um, the thing is, 10 times is amazing, right? To have three championships and possibly four, I just think to get there and you're not – closing the deal he should have he definitely should have more than you know being there so many times it doesn't matter what teams he went up against when you are the best in the world but you should find a way especially when you've had help it ain't like he went out there and didn't have anybody else with him I still think LeBron is probably skill set wise probably the most talented player that we've seen is able to rebound, score uh do all the things that he's able to do defend you know uh one through five and we have that argument all the time people say well he can guard one through five well he wouldn't have been able to guard one through five back in 1980 and 1990. <laughs> it was a different type of four and five back right. then. He could yeah. definitely guard one through three, but I think he's phenomenal. He's great. and They should close it out. I picked them in six, even though I definitely wanted to heat the win because, you know, spending four years of my career there, them drafting me, Pat Riley, everything, the history that I had, organization and love I have for them. I would have definitely loved to see them get it done. but. We got to be real with ourselves. Yeah. All
5: right, Eddie House, uh, the legend. So, Ed, what are you doing? What's uh,
1: how how are you holding up during the pandemic? Oh man, you know, I'm I'm loving life, man. I can't can't <laughs> complain. I can't complain. I just uh, try to stay busy, stay busy with the kids. Uh, try to make sure that they stay on top of their grades. Um, work them out when I get the opportunity to work them out, and and that's pretty much it, man. And yeah. uh, you know, just staying out the way.
2: All right, Ed. Good good to hear it, man. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, Eddie House. All right, be cool, man.
3: Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
4: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.
0: Is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet.
5: All right, best bet weekend football time. As always, we try to pick three games that I like the most for the weekend. We're taping this um, Thursday night, and the lines right now say the following I'm taking Arizona, favor by seven, against my New York Jets. And listen, I was on Arizona from the offseason. I really like this team. And I kind of love that everybody's off them right now because they lost to the Lions as a favorite and then they lost to the Panthers as a favorite. Everybody's like, oh, they're not that good and Kyler Murray's not an MVP candidate. Actually, this is a great spot for Arizona. I don't care about the back-to-back East Coast trips. Folks, the Jets are starting Joe Flacco. He's 35. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in a calendar year. And his left tackle, Makai Becton, didn't practice much this week. Looks like the Jets may sit him instead of risking injury. He's a rookie. He's played, what, three games, and he's their best offensive lineman. Okay? You don't have Becton. You've got immobile Joe Flacco. Did you watch Thursday Night Football? Did you see Sam Darnold running for his life, like, every single time? They had to—the Jets had to cut a running back, Kelan Balaj, a guy they picked up from Miami, another Adam Gaze reclamation project. My gosh. Uh, because Balaj kept missing the blitz pickup. Now, I know they are expected to get Le'Veon Bell off the IR this weekend, which would be a boost, obviously. But I think see the Cardinals just teeing off on Joe Flacco here. And the big news for the Arizona defense, they get Buda Baker, the highest paid safety in the league. He's elite. And he comes back. And if you watched last week, the Cardinals were down their top three safeties. And Bridgewater and that smart offense, Joe Brady, the OC, they just picked Arizona apart. They went side to side, uh, a couple throws down the field, a lot of running backs in the flat. And uh, the the Jets just can't do that, okay? 36-year-old Frank Gore or whatever on the wheel route, that ain't scaring anybody. And on the other side of the football, a crazy stat, okay? Kyler Murray leads the league in yards per carry at 8.3. And we know in open space, he's just going to undress people. He's just filthy. The Jets lead the NFL in missed tackles heading into week five with 53. And I'm just telling you, you guys know I like the Jets. I've been rooting for them for three decades. I'm rooting against them the rest of the season. I need them to get the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. I like Arizona favored by seven. Now, my next best bet. Is a little riskier, and I'm sure a lot of you are not going to like it. But if you listen closely to the podcast with Peter King on Thursday, you may have detected something. I like Washington here getting seven against the Rams. So let's look at the Rams for a second. This is their third East Coast trip in four weeks. Okay, You could say back-to-back is one thing. This is their third time they flew across the country to play the Eagles. I was on the Eagles. The Rams destroyed them. Then they had to fly home due to COVID, flew back to play the Bills, fell down 28-3 to before a crazy rally, and they end up losing by four. Okay, so then they go home. They're very sleepy against a, a pretty bad Giants team. They end up winning but not covering. Now they have to get back on a plane and fly across the country again to play a Washington team that's going to be tough to get up for. Washington's no good. They've lost three straight games by two TDs or more. And look who's up next for the Rams. The 49ers, divisional game, big rivalry. This is a huge game next week. I can see the Rams totally overlooking Washington. And the other thing is, back to that Peter King interview, which was great. If you didn't listen to it, you should. Peter King is clearly tight with Ron Rivera. And he built a case that, listen, they're bringing Kyle Allen in because they think they can make a run in this joke of a division. And then you say, well, Kyle Allen stinks. Well, listen, he wasn't good at the end of last year. But uh, do you know who his offensive coordinator was last year? Scott Turner, who's the OC of Washington. Do you know his quarterback's coach was two years ago in Carolina? Yeah, Scott Turner. So there is familiarity. It's not like they're putting in some backup to get a change of pace. They know Kyle Allen. He's been in this offense for three years. And I dug deep. Last year, 2019, Carolina opened against the Rams. The Rams were coming off the Super Bowl. Carolina was able to move the football at will. The Carolina offense, the Scott Turner offense, was in the game the entire time. Cam Newton had a terrible game with a fumble and a pick. Uh, they had another, they had a special teams gaffe that like handed the Rams points. But bottom line, Carolina moved the football fairly well against them. Uh, I think it was 5.4 yards of play against a, def- a team coming off the Super Bowl. And this Rams defense is not as good as the one last year. I think Washington can move the football uh, fairly easily. And the matchup I want to watch here is Kendall Fuller, who's the number 4-rated cornerback, according to Pro Football Focus, so far this season. He is playing great in Washington. Gave up nothing at all against the Ravens last week. Terrific quarterback. If they can put him on Cooper Cup, get pressure with Chase Young, who's back uh, from the injury, I think they can hang. Maybe they can win. I'll put a little bit on the money line, a little pizza money on the money line, but I like Washington getting seven. Now, my final pick, uh, you know, I looked hard... Looked really hard at Carolina um, against Atlanta. I looked really hard at the New York Giants. I kind of wanted to take the Vikings, but I'm done betting against Russell Wilson. It's just not good for your health. And I looked hard at the Cleveland Browns, Colts game, which I like. But ultimately, I decide on this one. My third pick, Arizona by seven. Washington getting seven. And then the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles. Seven-point favorites at home. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me go back. And the final game, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Seven-point favorites against the Philadelphia Eagles. This game, Pittsburgh is at home. They will have some fans at the stadium. I think the last thing I saw was five to 6,000 fans allowed into the stadium. It's not going to make a big difference. Um, but what will make a difference is the Eagles' injury news. Their offensive line is a mash unit. Okay. And Lane Johnson was dinged up against the 49ers last week. If you watch that game, looked at the numbers, Carson Wentz sacked three times, they hit him ten times. That was the 49ers JV defense. Now the Eagles have to protect against what is arguably the best front four in the league with TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. I mean the Steelers are a menacing defense. I don't know how they'll open. Given uh, the quasi-bye week last week, they practiced for the first three days last week as if it were a game. Then it was canceled, so they got three days off. I'm hoping Big Ben doesn't come out rusty. Um, I do think the Juju Smith connection is back. Juju had three touchdowns all of last year. He's already got three this season. And I believe that Pittsburgh defense contains the Eagles, who, by the way, listen, they were lucky on Sunday Night Football to get the win. Okay, The 49ers handed it to them. Nick Mullins with the pick six. Um... Uh, 49ers actually had better stats than the Eagles moving the football. The Eagles just came out on top, and um, I I, I love Pittsburgh here. This one screams like a Minka Fitzpatrick game, okay? He hasn't been a difference maker yet this season, but the way Carson Wentz has lost weapons, Dallas Goddard's down, okay? Uh, We don't know if Deshaun Jackson's back. Alshon Jeffrey, Jalen Rager may give it a go. I think there's going to be some issues for Wentz passing under duress. I think Micah Fitzpatrick comes up with a big play. I don't know about a game-changing play, but some sort of big play, and I like the Steelers' favor by seven. So those are the three best bets NFL Week 5. Arizona favored by seven, Washington getting seven, and the Pittsburgh Steelers favor by seven. Everybody enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. I'll talk to you online, and we'll see you Monday.